Hey guys, it's Angie here from Money in the Bank. So again, changing things up, it's just going to be me this week, but I'm actually really, really excited for this week's episode. Before we dive in, I do want to remind you that you have a few episodes left to go ahead and enter our $50 contest. So basically, for our 50th episode, we are giving away $50, and if you leave a review, either on iTunes or Stitcher, you're automatically entered, Or if you just want to go ahead and share with your friends via Facebook or Instagram or an email, go ahead and do that. Just shoot me a screenshot at Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com and you're entered. It really is that easy. So moving forward into today's episode, Brett's not here for me to give him a trivia question, but if I did, it would be to ask what the poverty rate in America is. And it's actually a shocking 14% is what they estimate. And, you know, it's kind of crazy that we actually have some of the world's wealthiest people and some of the world's poorest people in the same country where we, you know, shouldn't have these issues. In fact, 45 million Americans just about are living in poverty. And I was, you know, really shocked, I think, to learn some of this and really fortunate that somebody who listens to the podcast actually reached out to me and asked for my help with their situation. And they are technically and, you know, very feasibly living in, you know, below the poverty line. I think it was really eye-opening for me to see a case study like this. And I mentioned early on when I started the podcast that I would love to do case studies of real-life examples on how to reshuffle a budget and get ahead in life. And I guess, you know, I always thought I would be getting the people making forty to $60,000 a year where there is fat in your budget that you can trim and you can really start getting ahead in life. I never really thought that I would get a case where there were two adults making $23,000 a year between both of them. $23,000 total for their household. I want to start off by saying I have nothing but respect for both of them. They are doing amazing, despite the the complications that come with only making $23,000 a year for your household. So I want to start off by commending them. I have a lot of respect for them and what they've been able to do in their life. And I've had quite a few correspondences with them. They do choose to remain anonymous at this time, but I've been able to correspond back and forth with them. And in the past couple months, they've made a lot of progress. So I'm really proud of them. I think they're doing some really great things in life. And I think it's really awesome that, you know, I started this podcast to be a podcast for the average Joe. And the fact is the average person in America, I mean, you're one of 15%, you know, one in more than one in 10. So just as much, this podcast is just as much for you as it is for everybody else. So with all that being said, I'm really excited for this episode. I think it can be really helpful for a lot of people. And, you know, hopefully this this helps you. So just to ju- start jumping right in. So the, the people that reached out to me, are they're a family in their 30s. They live in the Midwest, my home. You know, I'm very proud of this part of the country. I love the Midwest. Um, and they have a 10-year-old daughter with no college savings up up to now. They do own an inexpensive home. I think that is one of the great things about, you know, living in the Midwest if you're in the poverty 
under or at or below the poverty line, you can kind of afford houses, which is an amazing feat, right? If you lived in other parts of the country, you definitely could not. So they are able to own an inexpensive home and they have been making slightly more than minimum payments for eight years. So I want to pause for a second and just say how amazing that is, um, that they live in an inexpensive home and are able to make more than minimum payments. When I know of people making $100,000 a year or more for their household, and they still feel like they can't make more than the minimum payments. So I have a lot of respect for them because even at this lower income threshold, they're really living within their means. So that is awesome. Um, Next, they both carry low-cost term life insurance just in case, which is phenomenal that they have the foresight to do that. And they have two cheap cars that they're making payments on, about $119 a month for one and $127 a month for the other, with one being paid off in about a year. The wife has income. She actually does has her own home cleaning business. And after deducting expenses, she made about $12,000 last year. Her husband does part-time contracting with a landscaping company, and after deducting expenses, he showed about $11,000 in income last year. So that's about $23,000 total income on their taxes, which means they are eligible for both food stamps, which they get get $509 a month, and Medicaid. So her dilemma is that if they start making over $26,000, then she believed that they would no longer be eligible for food stamps or Medicaid. Losing food stamps, it means that they're losing $500 a month, which is $6,000 a year. Losing Medicaid means paying for private insurance as they're both self-employed and have no employer policy available. She doesn't really have a great idea of how much that is, but she's estimating $6,000 a year for the family. Additionally, if they make more than $26,000 a year, They creep into the space where they start owing money at tax time for self-employment and social security rather than getting a little bit back. So depending on how much more they make, then they'll owe more money. That being being said, she said it's very possible for them to go from making $23,000 to $26,000. But if they do, they're actually going to be poor because of everything I just mentioned. So they... In her mind, they needed to go from making $23,000 a year to making $40,000 a year just to be at the same quality of living because they have to make up the difference for food and health insurance. It seems very unlikely to them that they could go from $23,000 to $40,000. And it just really, I mean, they feel stuck, right? I mean, you kind of feel like you're trapped at that level and you don't really want to increase your income because then you're actually poor, right? She also did leave a PS that said she knows real poverty looks very different than owning a home and having a happy marriage, healthy child, and food on the table. They both do volunteer work in the community, and they would love to be able to give back even more. They feel blessed and lucky and know that there's a lot of people living in much worse circumstances. They want to figure out how to get out of it because it seems like they are trapped, and they want to be able to, you know, free up their life and resources. So all that being said, I just want to say, one, I have so much respect for them. They're doing so much right. They are living within their means. They are self-employed. They're trying to, you know, do better in life. And that's great. And I think the, you know, I saw this and I was just like, that's not fair, right? You shouldn't, it shouldn't be a light switch turns off once you start making an extra three grand a year and all of a sudden you have to make up 
this $12,000 difference. That seemed crazy to me. So I poured myself into research for them. I wanted to do as much as I could. I made calls to um, a local center that specializes in SNAP and Medicaid benefits just to pick their brain. And I really tried to learn a lot. So I actually sent her over a spreadsheet to help visualize their total annual compensation. But I'm going to talk the high-level points first of what I told her, and then we'll kind of progress from there. So I, I did find out that the SNAP benefits will shut off at over $26,000, but the big, the big help that they would still get at that point is through the healthcare marketplace, they would be eligible for credits, which would help make insurance more affordable. So because of the Affordable Care Act that was introduced a few years ago, once you start making over $26,000, you don't qualify for Medicaid anymore, but you do qualify for credits in the marketplace. So premiums would typically be $650 per month for her family. So her $6,000 estimate annual a year, which seemed you know high, is actually not even high enough because health insurance in this country is so expensive. So they would need $650 a month. But the good news is credits start as high as $543 per month to help offset that. This helps illustrate that instead of needing the $40,000 to replicate the lifestyle they have now, they really need $32,000, which is still a huge jump from the $23,000 that they currently make, right? So I put together an action plan for them, and it actually has about four steps here. So I said... The first thing I would do if I were in their shoes is to research higher paying jobs. They're in their 30s. They still have time to turn the ship around and to learn something new, right? So I said research higher paying jobs. The trades are actually in serious need right now, especially I know where I live. There's so many people like looking for plumbers or electricians or HVAC technicians because so many kids right now are just going to college and getting a degree and the trades are kind of being a very lost art. So I said if her or her husband are willing to switch their careers, I would recommend looking into those, seeing what training you need and seeing if you could switch into that. Because even for plumbing, a lot of times, and I'm just picking a trade off the top of my head, but for plumbing, a lot of times they'll actually hire you as an apprentice and pay you maybe even slightly higher than minimum wage while getting trained up so that, you know, two years out, you're a full plumber and you can either stay with that company or branch out on your own. Um, And sometimes after the two-year mark, you know, they'll make you a salaried employer. But I did note that even if they both switched to working 40 hours a week at minimum wage jobs, they would be at $34,000 a year instead of the $23,000 they're currently at. So, you know, they both, she owned her own cleaning business, and if she didn't want to give that up, then there's no need for that, but it would be a good idea for one of them to look into a higher paying job and see if there's anything in their area that they could switch into while she continued expanding her cleaning business, and I think it would be very feasible for them to kind of reach that $32,000 mark at that rate. So some of the other jobs that I recommended were looking into lineman work, utility companies, plumbing, electrician, HVAC, HVAC technician, etc. Uh, I also mentioned that if her husband had experienced landscaping, he may be able to find a company with full-time employment that would also help get them benefits. So the other point, the second plan that I noted was to grow their current businesses. 
Um, look at the market, perhaps increase rates. Maybe she's been cleaning houses for, you know, five, 10 years and hasn't increased her rates very much. It seems like, you know, there's there might be room to increase it. So let's say she's been charging $15 an hour for cleaning houses. Maybe with the customers she has, she could ratchet that up to $17 an hour and they would all still happily pay that and she would just get a little extra breathing room. There is also, you know, right now I've actually started networking more via Facebook. And there are so many great networking groups on Facebook. You can join BNI groups, usually for a very minimal fee, which is a business networking group. And sometimes there's also free ones. I know in where I live, through Facebook, I found several networking groups that meet over lunch, and they are free to join. And you can even just go, you know, get a drink with them and leave a tip. So for $5, a month, you can have a networking group that you meet with, and that can actually really help give you warm leads instead of cold leads. So if you're not familiar with sales, a warm lead means that somebody refers your name on instead of a cold lead where you're just posting you know, a, a sign on a bulletin board and hoping somebody calls you or calling or sending out flyers in the mail or putting you know, I'm sure we've all seen like the lawn care services that come up and stick something in your door. So those don't have as high of, you know, conversion rates as if you get a warm lead, which is basically, you know, like there are certain people I've worked with for years, especially in real estate, since we've bought so many properties, I refer my realtor onto everybody I know because she's wonderful. And so many of my friends have used her because I give a personal review and a personal recommendation. So by joining networking groups, you can really get a lot of these referrals and that's a great way to grow your business even more. So the third step I said that they should do is to learn ways to eat cheaply while still eating healthy. Right now they get $500 a month to go and get groceries with their SNAP benefits. However, I've actually worked with families of three or four that eat well on about $350 a month, which I know sounds like a crazy decrease at first, but if you, you know, really start looking into this and start making budget meals, one website I think is absolutely great is budgetbites.com. But I've also done a lot, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, sometimes I post different recipes that I'm making on my stories or you know, on my actual Instagram, and I'll actually include how much I paid. But there are many, many meals that Brett and I eat that cost a dollar per serving per person or less. And I think, especially being in the Midwest, we are very fortunate to have wonderful farmers markets all over the Midwest. And the great news right now, while they still have SNAP benefits, is your SNAP benefits are worth double at a lot of farmers markets in the Midwest, which is really cool because you can stock your fridge full of fresh vegetables, which are, when it's in season, you get a good price. But, you know, another another big thing that I've done is to be able to make a few staples that are cheap and healthy and to make things in bulk. So I mentioned some of my favorites are rice and beans, chili, stuffed squash, black bean tacos, uh, with homemade shells. A bag of masala, masa flour is $4, and you can make over 100 taco shells with it. So you want to find things that are still healthy. You still want to eat your vegetables. You still want to eat a lot of beans and get your protein, a lot of nuts. You know, we are, we've mentioned a million times on this podcast, we buy our peanuts in bulk from nutstop.com. And I actually got oats in bulk recently from a website in Canada. And I can add all of these links onto my blog post about this. 
But sometimes buying in bulk, I know it can be a little hard because it's more upfront, but then you have all this food, all this healthy food, which is really great. Eggs are another thing that they're super healthy and they're full of nutrients. So just, you know, find recipes, find budgets. I, I know something I've recommended before is to reduce your meat consumption. I know that's hard for a lot of people, but meat is expensive. And if you replace it with beans, it will save you money, especially if you do dried beans. I mean, you can get a big bag of dried beans for one or two dollars. And by the time you soak them and cook them up, they go such a long way. Uh, another thing I recommend is when I was in college, a big thing I did is I would go to Meyer and I would shop the 10 for 10 sale when it was offered because I would get so many vegetables at a discounted price. And I would, I remember in college, I would literally stock up. They would do, they would put five pound bag of potatoes on the 10 for 10. So it's a dollar for five pounds of potatoes. And I would stock up on potatoes, peppers, other essentials. The 10 for 10 for me was a great way to get so much money, so much food for my money. And in college, actually, my grocery budget for myself was $100 a month. I was a vegetarian at the time, which made it a lot easier. As I've mentioned, meat can be expensive. But for $100 a month, I ate very healthy uh, and I ate very well. Um, I never deprived myself of food. I never, you know, didn't eat enough. It, it was nothing like that. You can eat very well at that price point. You just have to eat low-cost things and be really smart with your shopping. So like I said, the 10 for 10 sale, when that happened, I would go nuts. I would stock up on so much stuff. And don't be afraid to freeze vegetables yourself. Um, you know, it kind of makes sense. You can buy frozen vegetables in the freezer aisle. Sometimes those are a great deal, but sometimes fresh is actually cheaper and you can just freeze it yourself. I also, one more thing on the grocery list and then I'll move on, but I also mentioned to see if any stores in town have a bulk cart. So we love our bulk cart. We have several grocery stores that do this. One time we got literally 100 bananas for $3.00 which was insane. And I know everyone's probably like, what did you do with 100 bananas? We peeled them all and froze them, but then we would make banana bread or we would make oatmeal casserole with bananas in it, or we would just pull them out and make smoothies. So there's a lot you can do with frozen bananas and it was totally worth it. So, but not just bananas on the belt cart. We've also gotten peppers and we've gotten potatoes. I mean, they just put produce on there that probably needs to be used within a few days, but it's a great way to score some deals. So just to recap here, I told them to research higher paying jobs. I offered tips for growing their current business. And then I mentioned finding ways to eat a little cheaper while still eating healthy so that when or if SNAP the SNAP benefits did run out, they could transition to that and start spending a little bit less on groceries. So I also, the last thing I said was to stop paying extra on their mortgage until their credit card was paid off. Paying off the credit card would free up extra money and reduce stress, plus that extra $1,400 a year will help with the income fluctuations you'll experience as you make more money. So I said numerically, if they could reduce their grocery bill by $150 a month, they can live on $1,800 less total annual compensation when SNAP ends. In the worst case scenario, on the spreadsheet that I sent over, they could make $27,000 a year, which is $2,600 less than their current total annual compensation. And the total annual compensation that I'm mentioning was how much they make plus the benefits that they would be receiving from the government. The other $800, 
which is $67 a month, could be made up from the extra mortgage payments until things stabilize or they increase the income a little bit more or by reducing other expenses. I said, I also mentioned that I applaud everything they're doing. I'm sure their budget is already bare bones, but so I really focus on increasing that income as quickly as possible, which is why a career change would be very beneficial if they were willing to do that. After the car is paid off the next year, then their cash flow situation will improve and they can kind of roll that into their extra credit card payments. And so that means within, you know, a couple years there, they'll actually see an extra $366 in their monthly budget from getting their credit card and cars paid off, which means that they could be free of their student loan debt within two years. And at that point, they could start saving $4,300 a year, which is amazing to think in in if they can just kind of get up to that $2,700 range that they can really kind of accelerate very quickly and start saving money and really escape poverty, right? That's, That's the whole goal of this. So, I, you know, I sum it all up with saying that they do have an income problem, but fortunately with the Affordable Care Act, they have these credits in place where it's not as bad as they think. So I sent all that over. I prepared a spreadsheet showing at every possible potential earnings how much their total annual compensation would be so that they could understand how it might fluctuate, as well as offered tips on how to kind of soften the blow of those changes. They responded and said, you know, they it was overwhelming, which of course it is, but they were looking everything over and facing all the music and she would get back to me. So that was great. You know, it is a journey. It is overwhelming, but, you know, you just got to keep rolling. So shortly thereafter, she did follow up with me and said, you know, they a lot of this was making sense. She was working on growing her business. And then also her husband's parents offered $4,000 to help him with education or training and they were trying to figure out what to do. So I, you know, again, reiterated the trades and last I talked to them, they were still going to try to figure some of that out and see what was going on. So hopefully I will be hearing from them soon and I will give you guys a follow-up to let you know how they're doing. I, again, think this is just a really cool thing. I'm so glad they reached out to me for help. And hopefully the advice that I gave them made a lot of sense and the pieces will kind of all come together and everything will align and then they'll accelerate out of this. You know, like I think they could. I think something I've learned about myself is I am very, very optimistic. So, you know, my the tone of my email was like, you've got this, go for it. Like I was cheerleading them on and you know, her initial reaction was, this is overwhelming. But it was really cool to see that she digested it, came back a week later, said that it was making a lot of sense, talked to, you know, their parents who might be able to help them, arranged for this loan to help further his education, and prepare him for a career switch. So that's an enormous amount of progress in just a few weeks. And I can't wait to see, you know, a couple months from now what the, what the future holds for them. I think there's going to be a lot of positive things for them. And I will keep you all updated. So if you have a case study or if you want to be featured on the podcast, shoot me an email. I will be happy to help literally anybody with their situation. This was definitely a new one for me. I had never really researched things in this income level or learned a lot about the different programs. So it was really awesome for me to learn more about Medicare, Medicaid 
how it helps, how it works with your income, the and as well as the SNAP benefits and how those work, and the Affordable Care Act. You know, that was something that I feel like in the media a lot, we hear about how bad it was and how it spiked premiums and all these sorts of things. So it was really cool to see how it really is beneficial to help bridge that gap for people. Because, you know, if you recall, originally they're making $23,000 a year. When she ran the numbers, she thought she would have to get all the way to 40000 But because of the Affordable Care Act, really, they will level out at about 30000 So, you know, instead of having to go from 26 to 40, they can go from 26 to 30, which that's so much more attainable for people. And that's so much less intimidating. And I think that's really great. So it was cool for me to see how that's used in a positive way to help people in this country. And overall, I think this was, you know, just a really cool case study to help remind us all that we're all in this together. We're all average Joes here. We're all just trying to learn what we can and do the best we can in our situation. Um, And I honestly just have so much respect for them for making extra payments on their mortgage and doing all the right things. So keep it up. If you are listening to this and you're in a similar situation, keep, keep going, just keep swimming. Things will get better. And, you know, like I said, for them, by the time they start paying down their car loans, paying off their student loans, someday they will have an extra $360 a month, which is insane, right? I mean, that's $4,000 a year that they will be able to do something very productive with. So just keep going. It will get better. And one day you will have more breathing room and you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. So as always for this and more money saving tips, tune in every single week and don't forget to enter our contest to win $50 just by leaving a review of the podcast or telling a friend and emailing me about it at Angie at Money in the Bank podcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, if you have any questions, please just feel free to shoot me an email. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.